Welcome to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of Natural MD Radio. This is your host, Aviva Ram. And I'm delighted to share a topic today that's very personal for most women and as such might be one that you're not keen on your little ones listening in on and possibly repeating some language from. So giving you a heads up, if you've got little ones around, perhaps get them busy doing something else, you know, get your headset in or listen at a time that they're not listening in. That said, if Nobody ever told you what healthy vagina is supposed to smell like. Join the club. But knowing is incredibly important because what makes a vaginal scent healthy or not has an impact on your overall health and is a reflection of your overall health. So what I'd like to do today is share with you the information that will help you sort out healthy scents from problem signaling odors and what you can do to get your vaginal ecology in top form. Before we do that, I have a few asks for you. There are three things that you can do that can really help Natural MD Radio reach more women and help more women take their health back. One is to subscribe. Two is to rate and review this show. And three is to tell a friend. I don't take any advertising and we don't have venture capital behind this show. And that's been a really intentional decision on my part because I want you to always know that the information coming to you is untainted by sponsors, products, or any other influences that might shift the way people give information in one direction or another. This is pure, unadulterated, accurate health information that you can use to take back your health. So you therefore become my advertising So if you can do me those three asks, I would be so appreciative. Again, subscribe wherever you like to listen, rate and review, leave a comment. I love your comments. And as you may have heard, if you've listened to a lot of Natural MD Radio episodes, those comments can actually be your ticket to a winning giveaway because we do giveaways based on those comments periodically. And please do tell a friend. Again, your word is what gets more women to listen, and your word is what helps more women take back their health. Speaking of advertising, let's head back to the topic of today's show. How to keep your man. Nope, it's not a Hillary Clinton comment or a line from a Tammy Wynette ballad. Actually, it's the advertising concept behind a shocking ad campaign that ran from the 1900s into the 1960s and that was prominently displayed in newspapers and magazines throughout the country. It was for using a household cleaner to do exactly that. Keep your man. How? By keeping your vagina smelling clean. And I am not kidding. What was the household cleaner? Lysol. Yep, that's right. Lysol. The very same Lysol that's still used to disinfect toilets, and other high microbial areas was recommended as a douche for vaginal odor from the early 1900s into the 1960s. Well, it wasn't exactly the same Lysol. The Lysol back then was far more toxic and caustic than even the one that you can purchase now. And keep in mind the one that's available today 
can kill a child if it's consumed even in a very small amount. The formulation available until the 1960s was far more corrosive. And I'm not talking about Lysol being recommended as some crazy home remedy either. There were extensive ad campaigns in newspapers and magazines targeted at women with ad copy like, she was a jewel of a wife with just one flaw. She was guilty of the one neglect that mars many marriages. Lysol helps avoid this. Women were portrayed as locked in rooms or caught in cobwebs, suffering from lack of dainty femininity. The cure? A Lysol douche. I've included a few choice ads along with the physical copy, the copy that you can read for this podcast over on my website at avivaram.com. So if you want to see some of the ads, go over to avivaram.com forward slash 099 and have a look, or you can spend 15 minutes doing a Google search. It's really shocking and worth your time, actually, because it helps to understand some of the forces that influenced what our grandmothers and mothers thought about vaginal scent and odor and how horrifying and humiliating these were, and they didn't know what was normal and not normal. It's also what has led to a now multi-billion dollar annual profit for companies that produce feminine hygiene products, which now still try to sanitize every aspect of being a woman. It's just that we're told we can smell garden fresh. By 1911, 193 cases of poisoning and death occurred as a result of Lysol used as a douche. And this practice was promoted well, well, well into the time that depending on how old you are, your mother or grandmother was in her 20s, 30s, 40s. Despite lawsuits, the company producing Lysol managed to skirt all responsibility. When one husband tried to sue the company for the horrible vaginal blistering and damage his wife sustained as a result of this quote-unquote treatment, he was informed by the company that this was the first case they'd heard of. It was not true. This horrific ad campaign reeked of misogyny and was the start of women experiencing terrible anxiety, embarrassment, shame, and confusion over what was likely most often normal vaginal odor and discharge. It put tremendous pressure on women to remain fresh and clean, in other words, odorless down there, to keep a man. It remains a powerful reminder of the influence of media on our healthcare choices and how wrong women can be about the safety, or how wrong we can all be, and wrong because we weren't misinformed, about the safety of the substances we put in our bodies. There was also some dangerous and possibly deadly use of Lysol douche for abortion in a time when women couldn't legally access contraceptives. Douches were said to prevent pregnancy as well, which is another powerful reminder of the desperate lengths that women will go to for reproductive health when safer methods aren't available and legal. So what does a healthy vagina smell like? Well, like you, I had the requisite fourth grade health class, and like yours probably was too, mine was pretty much useless. I learned the word period, but that was about it. I certainly didn't learn anything about vaginal odors, normal or not. Then when I was 25, I heard an old joke. Adam and Eve go for a swim. Eve comes out of the water and says to Adam, damn it, now I'll never get that smell out of the fish. So is a fishy vaginal odor normal? All the time? After your period? Never? I had no idea. It took me studying to be a midwife to find out. 
And now I'm going to pass along the basics so you can know too. The bottom line is that your vagina smells like yours and mine smells like mine. And when everything is a-okay down there, that scent is completely unique to each of us. But there are some commonalities and there also are some specific scents or sometimes odors that tell you your vagina needs some attention. Here's how it all works. Your vagina does in fact have a garden growing in it. Your garden is made up of bacteria and yeasts, not roses and lavenders that make you smell like that garden fresh scent promised by a douche company. And I mean that literally as in they make douches, not as in the company that as teens might say it is a douche company. So it's a much earthier and much muskier scent that we naturally produce. The job of the vaginal garden is really fascinating. The basic function is to keep your pH in the right range to protect you from harmful kinds of bacteria and problematic yeast overgrowth or normal bacteria and yeasts that are growing in there as part of that garden, but when they get out of control can cause things like bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections, to name a few of the types of infections we can get. I talk extensively about bacterial vaginosis over on other articles that I'll link to you and podcasts that I'll link to you below the topic here over in the show notes and over at avivaram.com forward slash 099, where you'll find the written material for this blog and podcast. When your vaginal ecology is disrupted, you can find yourself dealing with annoying vaginal discharge and odors that are less than pleasant and also recurring infections. In addition, the vaginal microbiome plays a surprisingly big role in the overall health of your uterus and your sex hormones, and also plays a role in protecting you, believe it or not, from a lot of common women's problems like vaginal infections, but also pelvic and uterine inflammation, which can be a part of causing problems like endometriosis, polycystic ovary syndrome, chronic pelvic pain, and fertility problems. It can also affect the success of assisted fertility treatments. A healthy vaginal microbiome may even protect us from the impact of environmental exposures on our vaginal and uterine health. Those environmental exposures can further add to problems like endometriosis and fertility problems. One of the most important groups of bacteria that helps keep the natural balance in most women is lactobacillus, though interestingly, women of different racial backgrounds and ethnicities have different types of normal vaginal flora present, and it's all still normal. There isn't one exact normal. Lactobacillus happens to be the one that we know the most about, and it keeps the vaginal pH low by producing lactic acid, which in turn prevents less friendly vaginal yeasts, bacteria, and other organisms from getting a foothold or growing out of control and causing problems. A decrease in lactobacillus, for example, in women in which that's the most prominent healthy organism, and an increase in less friendly organisms has been found in women with endometriosis and is believed to play a role in hormonal imbalance with this condition by adversely altering hormone and immune signaling. This can result in reduced sensitivity of the uterine lining or the endometrium to progesterone and cause increased inflammation and other problems that we see, for example, with endometriosis. Healthy vaginal flora 
promotes a healthy, supportive environment for conception and implantation. There are so many fascinating ways that this happens. Notably, that organisms hanging around in your vagina interact with your immune system to create signaling messages that say, okay, this is a safe environment. Let's do this. She can get pregnant. Gut and vaginal dysbiosis have also now been linked to implantation problems as well as to recurrent miscarriage. The wrong kind of gut flora and the wrong kind of vaginal flora can prevent conception, have been shown to reduce or even prevent IVF success and embryo transfer effectiveness, and can increase miscarriage risk and also lead to preterm birth when you do get pregnant. Members of the lactobacillus family, and there are quite a few species, also help to keep the vaginal wall healthy by promoting mucus production, creating a protective barrier against other organisms and viruses, including sexually transmitted infections and HIV. It appears that we established a symbiotic relationship with these healthy organisms about 12 centuries ago, interestingly, when we introduced yogurt and other fermented dairy products and fermented foods into our diet. But here's an interesting fact. Being grossed out or feeling in disgust is a learned response. And a lot of women have this reaction about their own absolutely normal, healthy vaginal scent. I don't mean somebody actually taught you to be grossed out in some way, like they taught you to read or ride a two-wheeler. But we internalize the messages we learn from our culture, just like we internalize racism, ageism, and sexism. Being disgusted by women's natural body processes is up there on the list of things that we're taught by our culture to have revulsion for, and that we then tacitly internalize unless we're taught otherwise, unless we're taught to love what our culture too often teaches us to hate. And who? I'm teaching you otherwise right now. This is really important because studies make it very clear that how we feel about our lady parts is not benign. It has the power to influence our entire experience of being women. Feeling badly about our bodies is associated with an increased likelihood of gynecologic problems, poor self-care, and more risk-taking sexual behavior. Self-knowledge and self-love are real important preventative measures in women's health. So what do you need to know about keeping your vagina healthy and your vaginal sense? Well, not knowing what's normal or not knowing what different scents and odors can mean might mean that you self-treat yourself with douches and vaginal steams that not only you don't need, but can cause harm. Or it can mean you don't get treatment because you're too embarrassed to ask your care provider about an odor that you're not sure if it's normal or not. And I can't even tell you how many women have apologized to me before a pelvic exam for their vaginal odor. And most of the time, they're actually apologizing for a completely normal vaginal scent. So I always give women a pep talk before even starting on an exam and reassure her that every woman has her own unique scent. And if her scent isn't healthy, it's okay. That's what she's in the office for. And there's nothing that I promise you an OB-GYN or family doctor hasn't encountered before. So please don't not get help because you're not sure if something is normal or not. Now, one thing your vagina never needs is douching. Your vagina is completely self-cleaning. That's what the mucus and trillions of a health-promoting, pH-balancing organisms are there for. 
In fact, the American Public Health Association and the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists specifically recommends against douching because it's associated with an increase in bacterial infections. In addition, ACOG, or that American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, recommends against the use of fragrance tampons and pads, as well as feminine sprays and powders, to clear up vulvar or vaginal odors because they can actually create them. They commonly cause allergic reactions, including itching and burning. They can inflame and damage your delicate vaginal tissue and vulva, and they can alter your natural pH enough to cause vaginal infections like BV. And if you get enough irritation down there, you're also more susceptible to picking up sexually transmitted infections. What about vaginal steaming? Okay, I know I'm going to burst some bubbles here and possibly piss off some bloggers, but I wouldn't be looking out for you if I didn't include this and tell you the truth. While some celebrities are doing it, sometimes calling it a facial for your vagina, and quite a few self-ordained health gurus are suggesting it for everything from menstrual cramps to migraines, vaginal steaming, though it is a traditional practice in some cultures, really is not necessary for vaginal health, doesn't do what it's hyped up to do, and while the heat and warmth and self-care might feel great, it's actually physiologically impossible to get steam into your vagina or uterus to do any healing. What it can do, though, is cause serious burns to sensitive vulvar tissue. While I respect and incorporate many traditional practices into my work, let's remember that female circumcision, which is still done in many cultures, is a traditional practice, and the now ancient practice of foot binding also fits into the category of traditional practices done by women to women. So just because something's traditional doesn't mean that it has good evidence behind it or safety or even the best intentions. And vaginal steaming, though certainly not as extreme as foot binding or female circumcision, is certainly one example of a practice that has become a fad that doesn't have a merit and possibly does have some risks. If you do choose to do vaginal steaming, Avoid getting too close to the steam, move away from the steam if it feels hot, and don't steam if you think you have signs of infection. Instead, seek guidance from a midwife, nurse practitioner, or MD who can help you make sure there's nothing more serious going on. Now, since the fear of having an odorous state of affairs down there does keep women purchasing douches and scented tampons and pads, which all cause more problems than they solve due to the chemicals in them, and it causes a lot of worrying let's clear up the situation with accurate information. Besides, it's really good to know your own vaginal scents. They're actually really fascinating from an evolutionary perspective and knowing what's normal for you can help you relax and knowing what to look for can help you nip an infection in the bud and get the help you need. So what's normal and what's not? What is your V-scent telling you? Scent is actually a fairly reliable indicator of the health of your vaginal ecology and pH balance. In fact, one of the tests we do in the medical lab is called the WIF test, and it's exactly what it sounds like. As a doctor, I get a sample of vaginal fluid on a slide, I add a chemical reactant, and I take a WIF. Very technical sounding, I know. But there are actually specific odors that are more likely to be associated with infection. And sometimes getting a WIF without even adding the chemical reactant can give you a sense of what's going on. To get very nitty-gritty, vaginal scents can range from earthy to musky to sweet like fresh-baked bread to even a weed-like fragrance, and weed, I do mean weed, the smokable kind. 
due to the influence of sweat gland secretion. And yes, there can even be a natural, slightly fishy odor. The musky, earthy scent sounds like I'm describing some Earth Mama essential oil. And in fact, I kind of am because scent is influenced by all kinds of shifts in your menstrual cycle, shifts in your sweat glands, shifts in what's going on in your life. It's a very Earth Mama connected cyclical experience that we have. So what actually alters vaginal scent and what scents should you be aware of? Well, hormonal shifts actually have a huge influence on vaginal scent. We tend to have a more fragrant, inviting vaginal scent around ovulation. It's nature's evolutionary way of attracting a mate while you're fertile. Think about a bee to a flower. Toward your menstrual cycle, toward your period and during it, you might notice a slight metallic odor. This is due to iron and other minerals like copper in your blood. Toward the end of your period, you might notice a more funky, which technically means earthy odor, or even a slightly fishy or ammonia-like odor. This is due to wearing a tampon or a pad, which is hanging out in a dark, damp place, and also probably getting some traces of urine on it, the pad more obviously, but also the tampon string, unless you change your tampon every single time you pee. So changes in our monthly hormonal cycle in that menstrual cycle, which is from the day of your first period to the last day of your cycle before your next period starts, really have a tremendous influence on your natural vaginal scent. During pregnancy, increases in estrogen and with it lactobacillus in the vagina tend to lead toward a sort of more neutral scent. Though if you sweat more during your pregnancy, that can change it. And yeast infections are also more common in pregnancy because you have increased discharge with a higher sugar content when you're pregnant. Then as we enter menopause and estrogen declines, and that changes the pH in the vagina so that we're less acidic, the amount of vaginal mucus we produce also changes. This leads to the numbers of lactobacillus going down. Now remember that lactobacillus can be protective. And so when it goes down, it can create a different odor and also increases the number of organisms that cause BV. So BV is not a vaginal infection with something outside of the vagina that gets introduced. It's not like getting a herpes infection where you get a virus introduced. It's not like getting something from the outside. It's actually your normal vaginal flora, and some of them grow out of control, and that's what causes BV. It's just dysbiosis in the vagina. And women in their later perimenopause stage and in menopause may have a slightly more chronic state of that. And then as I'm about to talk about, some factors can even increase that further. So for example, semen has a high pH. And like when you're in menopause and the lactobacillus goes down and pH goes up, that can alter your vaginal scent pretty quickly, causing some of those organisms that like to thrive in higher pH environments, which are typically the ones that cause BV to proliferate. So you might notice that after you have male-female intercourse with ejaculation, that your vaginal odor is slightly more fishy or off, and that's because of those organisms proliferating. If this is something that happens to you frequently or on the common, or if you're in perimenopause or menopause and you're noticing that odor more after sex or just in general, hop on over when you're done listening to this podcast 
and listen to my podcast on bacterial vaginosis and it'll tell you all the things that you can do to reverse that trend and not have that situation happening for you anymore because it's not fun and it's not pleasant. A lot of women use condoms as one way to avoid that, but there are things that you can also do to support your vaginal pH. Stress is another factor that can change your vaginal scent and create a little bit more of what you might even consider a vaginal odor. If you're nervous, this can change your odor down there because there are a lot of sweat glands in the groin. And just like your pit smell changes when you're nervous, so can your vaginal smell. So does sweating when you exercise, especially if you're not wearing breathable fabrics. So that brings me to the next point, what you're wearing. Synthetic fibers trap moisture and change the climate down there. All the more when you exercise and get sweaty or if you get stressed out and you get sweaty. And it changes it in a way that can promote bacterial growth and change your vaginal scent to less than your favorite. Conversely, cotton and natural fibers let your vagina and your vulva breathe, stay drier, and keep your natural scent fresher. Wearing a pad also increases odor down there, as I mentioned, can happen during your period. So if you are listening to this podcast and you're not sure what vulva means or the difference between vulva and vagina, I've got a special podcast just for you on what your lady parts mean. So you can listen to that one too, just to get a 101 refresher. Or if you've never heard these terms before, get familiar because like knowing what your V-scent is and should be and maybe shouldn't be, knowing your lady parts really helps you communicate much more easily with your care provider. So saying my vagina itches means something very different than my vulva itches. And it's usually the vulva that's itching, for example, when we have a yeast infection or a bacterial infection down there. So hop on over and listen to that. So, so far, sex with intercourse and ejaculation, stress and what you're wearing are three of the factors that can change your vaginal scent or can change your vaginal scent to an odor. Now, what you eat can also have an impact. Diet also changes vaginal pH and your vaginal microbiome. Most specifically, a high sugar diet, which can include actual sugar or a high carb diet or regular alcohol consumption, even a glass of healthy red wine a day, because those break down into sugar too. And this can increase your risk of yeast infections, which cause a yeast-like or fresh baked bread scent. Now, a little bit of that scent and a little bit of a white creamy or yellowish creamy discharge is very normal. There's normally yeast down there. But when it starts to get really curdy looking or the smell of fresh baked bread starts to smell overpowering and maybe not so good, and you're starting to get vaginal itching, that can mean that you have a vaginal yeast infection and that can cause all kinds of inflammation and pain. So that is another, what you eat is a trigger and those are some of the symptoms that you could have a vaginal yeast infection. Now I mentioned earlier gut dysbiosis. The health of the vaginal flora or the vaginal ecology is not only dependent on your hormone levels and what you put in and around your vagina and your vulva, but it's also dependent on the gut flora health. Now I talk about this and what you can do in my podcast and in a blog on vaginal ecology. So you can read or listen to those after this if you're struggling with chronic vaginal infections or chronic off odors. Now, another thing that can cause vaginal odor, and it can be pretty funky, I can tell you that, is a lost tampon. Who knows a tampon up there, you ask? Actually, it's really common. I've retrieved more lost tampons than I can count over the years from my patients, and yeah, they can really pack an odor. 
if you can find it and pull it out yourself, that's totally okay. And if the odor goes away and you don't have any pain, fever, or signs of infection, which are pretty rare as the result of a lost tampon, then you're done with that and you don't need to go to the doctor. If you're not sure whether you left one up there and you're getting an odor and you can't find the string or get a hold to pull it out, then it's midwife or doctor visit time. I know it sounds really embarrassing, but I promise you again, we've seen it all, we never judge, and this is among one of the most common things that we see. Infection, okay, so this is where your ears might really wanna prick up. Vaginal infections that cause an odor usually have an obvious one that doesn't smell pleasant and are typically accompanied by itching, burning, irritation, or frequent peeing. Here's a quick overview. Yeast infections, as I mentioned, yeasty odor, lots of itching or burning, and a thick curdy discharge. Bacterial vaginosis. Now, I mentioned that normal vaginal odor, and especially during and after your period when you're wearing a pad, but even throughout your cycle or if you've had sex with intercourse and ejaculation, you can notice a slight fishy odor, and that's normal. And it's not something anybody else is noticing. You're just noticing it. But BV odor, bacterial vaginosis odor, smells like spoiled fish. It's an odor that there's no way you would not notice, and you would definitely find it startlingly unpleasant. It can also cause itching, redness, irritation, burning when you urinate. So those are also signs that you have a vaginal infection. You can, again, check out my blog, my podcast on that topic. But if you're uncomfortable, also go see your care provider. Finally, trichomonas. Now that is a very specific kind of vaginal organism that's picked up as a sexually transmitted infection. It's not one that normally lives in there. And it often is described as a very putrid odor. It's often accompanied by a foamy greenish discharge. And there's often also irritation. That is one you definitely want to go get treated with proper medical attention. It's not very easy to treat it with natural therapies. And all of these left untreated, not so much yeast infections, but BV left untreated, trichomonas left untreated or recurrent can cause fertility problems, miscarriage and other chronic pelvic infection or pelvic inflammatory disease. So these are serious things. So if you're not sure what's going on, if you're getting recurrent infections, If you're really uncomfortable, definitely time to go see a care provider who can help you. And don't hesitate to do the medication that you need to do. You can always come back and then start to heal your vaginal ecology after. However, if there's no burning, itching, or pain, or if it's just extremely mild itching or burning with no pain, or there's a new odor that doesn't smell right to you, that's when you want to go see your doctor. But if there's no burning, no itching, no pain. And there's just sort of an odor that is stronger than you might expect. It might actually be a very normal vaginal odor. If you have any unusual symptoms though, odor, fever, abdominal pain, abnormal bleeding, that's a medically urgent situation and you definitely want to see a licensed provider skilled in the diagnosis and treatment of women's problems. So that can be a family doctor, an OB-GYN, a nurse practitioner, or a nurse midwife, for example. If your vaginal scent is troubling you, or you're finding yourself with recurrent BV, yeast, urinary tract infections, go ahead, head over to my article on vaginal ecology, what you need to know to keep things healthy down there, or listen to the corresponding podcast over at Natural MD Radio. 
There are so many ways our culture tries to tell us that our bodies as women are broken, that women's natural body processes are unclean or gross. And this message comes through loud and clear in the $3 billion feminine hygiene industry designed to make our vaginas smell like flowers. But vaginas aren't supposed to smell like flowers. They're supposed to smell like vaginas. Yours like yours, mine like mine. Given the trillions of bacteria and yeast hanging out down there which alter our pH, it's normal for your vagina to have a fragrance. That fragrance will change over your cycle and over the course of your life. And that's part of the beauty of who you are. And I hope you celebrate it. Thank you again for joining me on Natural MD Radio. And I will see you next week for another episode, episode 100. So make sure to dial in, listen for some special fun surprises and giveaways. See you then. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.